0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, August 30th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. First up, the California Report speaks to South Lake Tahoe Mayor Tamara Wallace about the encroaching Caldor Fire. Then, in national native news, Santa Cruz becomes the first city in California to remove its El Camino Real mission bells. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before science expert Al Stoller shoots the breeze on the topic of wind to close out our newscast. This is the
1: California report. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in South Lake Tahoe. That city is on edge as the Caldor fire moves closer. The fire has burned 177,000 acres and is just 14% contained by firefighters. South Lake Tahoe Mayor Tamara Wallace joins us now. Thank you so much for joining us under these circumstances. Why don't we begin by having you walk us through which parts of your town are under evacuation warnings and Are any parts of your town currently under evacuation orders?
2: Currently, the entire city limits are under evacuation warnings. None of our city is under evacuation mandates.
1: And how is the community preparing for this? I mean, you all live in an area that is known to be prone to fire, but it must be challenging to have to actually confront the possibility of it coming into the town, of that fire coming to the town.
2: Uh, Yes, it's never a good thing when wildfire comes to your town. However, in general, we prepare for it regularly. We have defensible space requirements um, that we go through. We always try to encourage our residents to have a go-bag ready. But today, and every day leading up to today for the last week, uh, we've asked everybody to have several days of medication ready. We've asked everybody who has had medical issues, especially with regards to breathing, to leave town if they could because our air quality has been absolutely horrible, way up in the 500 AQI. So now we're just in, for those of us who have stayed through that, uh, we're just waiting for the mandates to come through because I'm fairly certain that they will within the next 24 to 48
1: hours. They'll be mandating orders, evacuation orders. I believe so.
2: I live on the southwestern end of town. So I'm only about two and a half miles, maybe less, from where the last mandate line is. So I would imagine that our that line will move soon.
1: What has the communication been like from local officials to residents? We're seeing videos on social media of this happening, unfolding in real time. And it sounds like, you know, compared to years past, it seems like there's an urgency in terms of, you know, maybe you're not under an evacuation order right now, but you really should think about getting out anyway. That seems to be the message.
2: Absolutely. I have lived through several fires in this community. The Emerald Fire was in 2016. The Angora Fire was in 2007, and I believe the gondola fire was in 2002, and those fires were in the basin. The Angora fire uh, was only just a couple of miles from where I'm sitting right now, and we lost 254 homes in that fire, and it was never even a consideration for us to evacuate our community at that time. But fire behaves differently right now. In our current climate, with drought conditions being what they are, after what we saw happen in the town of Paradise, uh, we now know fire behaves differently. It moves at a much faster pace. We have more dead trees in our community and in all forests. And so this is a much different situation than those previous fires that we have
1: all lived through
2: here in our community.
1: And earlier, you were telling me about your own family, your own experience and your kids. How are all of you doing? Um, Well,
2: actually, um, I have five children. Four of them
1: are grown. Three
2: of the adult children uh, live here in the community. Two called me in the middle of the night and said, hey, mom, we're leaving. And we are just, we're too nervous to stay in town, and so we're leaving. And I encourage them to do that. They live even closer to the um, mandate line than I do. And I encourage them to leave, like I would any member of my community. If you feel too nervous to be here, then and you have the means to do so, you should leave as soon as possible. There's no need to stay in the community and just be upset and be nervous get off the hill get out of here if you can and that way the more people that leave sooner there's fewer people to get out when the mandates come through
1: all right well we are wishing you and your family and your community a safe evacuation if it does come to that tamra wallace is the mayor of south lake tahoe thank you thank you very much
3: Support for the California Report comes from SFMOMA, presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam June Baek, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare, on the web at chcf.org/voices, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Over the weekend, the remains of U.S. military personnel killed by a suicide bomber outside of Kabul's international airport arrived at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. That attack was especially devastating for one military base here in California. My California Report colleague Saul Gonzalez has more. Saul?
4: Lily, 13 members of the U.S. military were killed in the Kabul attack. Ten of them, nine Marines and a Navy sailor, were stationed at Camp Pendleton, the sprawling Marine Corps base in North San Diego County. The attack was the largest mass casualty incident involving personnel from Pendleton since the U.S. war in Afghanistan began in 2001 four Marines from California were killed in the attack. They are Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22 of Indio, Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, 20 of Norco, Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, 20 of Rancho Cucamonga, and Sergeant Nicole G. 23 of Sacramento. Another Marine, Utah-born Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, 31, lived in the Orange County community of Aliso Viejo. Major General Roger Turner Jr., the commander of the 1st Marine Division at Camp Pendleton said military personnel who died in the attack did so while performing a heroic mission. And let's also remember that nearly 200 Afghans were killed in the same suicide bombing and hundreds more were injured. Lily:
1: It's an important point. Thank you so much Saul. That is the California report Saul Gonzalez. And that is the California report for Monday, August 30th, we're a production of KQED public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali.
0: In today's National Native News, Santa Cruz says so long to its El Camino Real mission bells. The United Homa Nation in Louisiana assesses damage from Hurricane Ida. And Dr. Alika LaFontaine has been elected head of the Canadian Medical Association, marking the first time an Indigenous doctor will lead
5: the organization. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Santa Cruz, California, became the first city in the state to remove all its El Camino Real mission bells. Christina Honested has more.
6: Hundreds of people gathered in Santa Cruz to commemorate the city's taking down of its last El Camino Real mission bell. They were placed in and around 21 missions in California, from the San Francisco Bay Area south to Los Angeles more than 100 years ago, as a means to promote tourism to the missions. But Native American descendants of those enslaved in the missions say those symbols glorify the Catholic Church's genocide. Mary Lopez Kiefer is with the San Luis Rey Luceno tribe.
5: The mission bells, whenever I hear them, I have an overwhelming feeling of anxiety.
3: That's historical trauma. It pains me. To hear a mission bell.
6: That's why the Santa Cruz City Council voted unanimously to remove the bells after descendants of Native Americans enslaved in the mission system demanded truth and reconciliation. This day, people gathered for the removal of the last bell in the city, making Santa Cruz the first in California to remove its mission bells. Valentin Lopez is chair of the Ama Mutsun tribe, whose ancestors historically lived in the Santa Cruz area.
3: Slavery of California Indians was legal in California to 1937.
6: People then marched to the last mission bell for its removal to find it already gone. Someone had removed it hours before the ceremony, according to local authorities. While California tribes, like the Amamudsen, say they want the state to follow Santa Cruz's lead and remove the remaining mission bells, someone else might beat California to it. I'm Christina Onestead reporting for National
5: Native News. For the first time, an Indigenous doctor will become the head of the Canadian Medical Association. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, Dr. Alika LaFontaine has been a successful anesthesiologist who was once told he would not graduate from high school.
7: Dr. LaFontaine says he's excited about his new job as president-elect of the CMA. LaFontaine was born in southern Saskatchewan, but his was not an easy childhood. He suffered with a stutter and was labeled developmentally delayed. He was told by the school administrator that he would never graduate high school. He says the experience helped him, and he was determined at that moment to succeed. He was homeschooled and played in the family band. His nomination to the CMA was announced earlier this year, and the organization focused on his achievements, which included co-leading the Indigenous Health Alliance, which involved 150 First Nations as well as several national health organizations. Lafontaine says disparities in health care for native and non native people have been around for a long time.
4: One of the things that COVID's given the opportunity to everyone is to understand the good things that happen within the healthcare system and the negative. Uh COVID's really magnified both of those things. And so the, there are things that we are doing well when it comes to Indigenous health and that we keep on doing better. But as far as outcomes, we still have quite a bit of ways to go.
7: LaFontaine's nomination was recently ratified, and he is now officially the president-elect of the CMA. He will begin as president in August of next year. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk.
5: The United Homa Nation in Louisiana is assessing damage from Hurricane Ida. The tribe's asking its citizens to check in and assess their needs. As of early Monday morning, the tribe posted on social media that the damage is overwhelming as cleanup begins and resources are sought. The Sixth Parish Service area is under a state of emergency. The United Homa Nation is the third largest state-recognized tribe in Louisiana. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
4: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov slash IACB, who support this program. Support by AARP. The Native Urban Elder Needs Assessment Survey will provide data to improve urban Indian elder health equity. Elders are underrepresented in data, and you can help. Info and survey at UIAcoalition.org. Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: In regional news, non-essential travel is now prohibited into Lake Tahoe's east shore. The Nevada Department of Transportation says roads, particularly Highway 50, must be kept as clear as possible as Caldor Fire evacuees begin their departures. Traffic plan outlines and phased traffic restriction to allow for safer evacuations can be found at nvroads.com. The Sacramento Bee reports the entire city of South Lake Tahoe and surrounding areas along the west and south shores have been ordered to evacuate due to the raging Caldor Fire, which has been creeping towards the lake for more than two weeks since igniting near Pollock Pines. The formal exodus comes after South Lake Tahoe's roughly 22,000 residents were given an evacuation warning late Sunday, told to be ready at a moment's notice to evacuate. Nearly 30,000 residents had already been evacuated from the eastern half of El Dorado County. At 10 a.m. today, fire and sheriff officials upgraded the warning to a mandatory order for all but the northeastern corner of the city near state line. Authorities expanded the order at 11 a.m. to include the entire city. As of 3.30 this afternoon, the San Francisco Chronicle reports spot fires igniting over the summit near Echo Lake and below Echo Lake. As thousands of evacuees fleeing South Lake Tahoe and the Caldor Fire streamed onto Highway 50, a violin player got out of his car to serenade fellow motorists frozen in standstill traffic. Leaning against a parked car, longtime Tahoe resident Mel Smothers calmly tuned and played his violin for those stuck in traffic. Highway 50 is closed between Myers and Pollock Pines, cutting off routes into the Central Valley for those who are under mandatory evacuation from South Lake Tahoe. That leaves the only open avenue to take Highway 50 eastbound toward Nevada in hopes of circling the lake to link up with Interstate 80. As a result, as of 3.30, traffic delays were more than an hour at an intersection known as the Y at the southern tip of the lake, where Highway 89, coming from the west shore, merges with Highway 50 at Lake Tahoe Boulevard. Highway 50 is two lanes of surface road in each direction. By comparison, the access to the north shore of Lake Tahoe is I-80, a four- or five-lane freeway. CAL FIRE reports the 59-acre Bennett Fire off East Bennett Road and Lava Rock Avenue in Grass Valley is at 100% containment as of yesterday morning. A bit puzzled over California's recall election process, tomorrow at 6 p.m., Gregory Diaz, from Nevada County Registrar of Voters, and Natalie Adona, the Assistant Registrar, will walk you through the proceedings and attempt to answer any inquiries. The League of Women Voters of Western Nevada County is sponsoring the presentation, which will be aired live by Nevada County Media and will be available to view on YouTube afterward. The speakers welcome questions from the community, which may be submitted to the League or through social media on their Facebook page. By the end of today. Diaz and Adona will give a brief history and context of California's recall process, then provide background on the 2021 recall election. They will also address how, when, and where to vote in Nevada County. You can access the virtual informative talk on YouTube at Nevada County Digital Media Center, NCTV. This program will also be available after the event for viewing anywhere, anytime at nevadacountymedia.org government channel. Nevada City has approved extending outdoor dining and the closure of Commercial Street to vehicle traffic through the end of January. The Council unanimously approved the proposal at its Wednesday meeting. City engineer Brian McAllister presented a proposal to install a pay station at the parking lot on Commercial Street, removing meters on the street and putting them on Spring and York streets. The Council agreed with the idea, though there's no construction timeline. This reported in the Union of Grass Valley. The South Yuba River Citizens League, also known as CIRCLE, has released the results of its preliminary cannabis impact survey. Quote, CIRCLE was motivated to conduct the survey in order to hear directly from the community, growers and non growers alike, about any impacts cannabis cultivation may be having on their lives and the environment, End quote. said Melinda Booth, CIRCLE's executive director. Quote, Additionally, given the low rate of interest seen for growers to come into compliance thus far, we wanted to better understand any barriers that may be preventing further enrollment." Of an estimated 3,500 cannabis cultivators in Nevada County, only around 3% of those growers have come into compliance since the county approved regulations in May 2019. Of the 57 self-identified cultivators, only 19% had come into compliance with local regulations and an additional 14% were in the process of doing so. For the majority who were not in compliance, regulatory burden, cost, and lack of trust in government institutions were the primary reasons for not engaging in the process. This reported by Ubinet. And now for Regional Weather and your Air Quality Index. The National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning for the Nevada County and Truckee Tahoe region, currently in effect through Wednesday evening. Gusty winds, extremely dry fuels, and low humidity have created critical fire weather conditions. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 63. Tomorrow, widespread haze, then sunny with a high near 86. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups with an AQI of 128. Tomorrow's air quality is moderate with a potential AQI of 84. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, widespread haze and smoke with a low around 45. Tomorrow, widespread haze and smoke continues with a high near 79. Current air quality is very unhealthy with an AQI of 207. Tomorrow's air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups with a potential AQI of 106. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 59. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 89. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups, with an AQI of 145. Tomorrow, moderate with a potential AQI of 59. Following up on the weather forecast, Al Stoller looks at the forecast change in the wind. Coming up next.
3: We live on a merry-go-round. Our planet spins like a top. From out in space, looking down on the North Pole, you can see our planet spinning, spinning counterclockwise, opposite the hands of the clock, spinning from 4 o'clock to 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Imagine playing catch on a merry-go-round. You throw the ball straight. But for the person catching the ball, every pitch is a curved ball. Planet Earth plays catch, not with a ball, but with air. High pressure systems, like the high that sat over us day after day last week. When a high pressure system throws a pitch, the air curves opposite to the counterclockwise spin of the Earth. Looking down from space, the air thrown by a high pressure system spins clockwise, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 Thanks to our position in this high-pressure merry-go-round, the wind blowing over us last week came from the northeast. The wind brought in air from over the Dixie Fire. I won't remind you how bad that air was last week. Low-pressure systems put the opposite curve on the pitch. Low-pressure systems make air spin counterclockwise, the same way the earth spins. Four o'clock, three o'clock, two o'clock, one. With the high-pressure system moving out, and a low pressure system moving in. Now the wind is blowing, at least some of the time, from the southwest, from the coast, and that made quite a difference when we woke up this morning. Unfortunately, something else is happening at the same time. Putting a low pressure system so close to a high, air wants to blow from high to low, and having the two systems close together makes the air want to blow hard. So for the next couple of days, we're under a red flag warning. Should a fire start, those winds are going to fan it. And, unfortunately, those gusty winds are also revving up the Dixie and Calder fires. Even as I feel grateful for this morning's breath of fresh air, let me express my gratitude to those on the fire lines, fighting the fires. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: AVMR gets support from Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar-powered, air-conditioned bowling, with group and special needs accessibility. Blacklight Bowling, also league bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily, prosperitylanes.com. Stick around, at 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. Quote, You can learn a great many things about another culture by reading and paying attention to their folk stories, says anthropologist Dr. Lenora Greenbaum Yuko, quote, Marriage is one of these most important areas, end quote. In tonight's episode, Dr. Yuko speaks about her book, Endangered Spouses, The Legacy of Marital Inequality, which compares folktale models of power dynamics in marriage from different cultures, patriarchal, egalitarian, and mixed. Yuko also founded a therapeutic organization that uses folktales to enable discussion of personal trauma. Then, at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.